0: You can also find us on the web at vineyardbrenham.org and on Facebook and Twitter at Vineyard Brenham. Anyway, thanks again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. I'm continuing our series this morning out of the book of Colossians. Filler up, Jesus. And the premise of our series up until now has, has been... When we live our lives according to our desires, we will run on empty. Jesus fills us up to live the full kingdom life. And it's based on the words of Jesus from John chapter 10, where he said, The thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to to destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Well, it's Veterans Day In keeping with the military theme, I'm calling my message today, Rules of Engagement. I think we're familiar with that term. Rules of Engagement are the rules or directives for military forces and personnel that define the circumstances, conditions, degree, and manner in which the use of force or provoking actions may be applied. Now, this term is appropriate because we're talking about what it means to live the kingdom life. We need to recognize that a war is going on between the kingdoms of darkness and the kingdom of light. We live at a time that's got great struggle and hardship. And there's tension in our country and in the world And if we're paying any attention at all, we can see that the powers are colliding all around us. The problem is, like Steve Martin, we don't realize somebody is actually shooting at us. And relationships are being destroyed by gossip, lies, and selfishness. And then there are lives that are being ravaged by sickness and and disease. And then there's whole communities that are being obliterated by poverty and apathy. And the helpless are being oppressed by unjust power structures. And churches are being torn apart by politics and legalism. And we think we have defective cans. The truth is, more sinister and more sobering. And we've, when we finally recognize what's going on, we might be looking for somebody like Steve was in the movie. C- cover me! Or I'll cover you, but we're we're really in no place to do either thing. John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, said, the difficulty we're having in the church today is that most of the church is not even aware that a war is going on. The rest of the church is aware or the rest of the church that is aware is preoccupied with how to remain a civilian in a time of warfare. And when we begin to experience the fullness of the kingdom life, we also have to uh, develop an increasing awareness that there's an, an actual battle that's being raged around us. There is a real enemy and there is a real war. The life Jesus gives us is not just re- for us to revel in and enjoy. Oh Lord, thank you for what you've done for me. Instead, it, when it, comes, it comes to us with this new responsibility that we must be willing to take up as our own. So this morning, I want to say this. Jesus fills us up to engage God's kingdom. And this echoes the words of Jesus from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus said, When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. You see, Jesus has entrusted us with His Spirit. And He's entrusted us with His kingdom. And He wants us to advance those things in His power here on the earth. And it's kind of like whenever a kid gets a car. How many of you got a car when you were in high school? If you had a younger brother or sister, guess what? You had to take them with you. With great responsibility. With kingdom privileges come kingdom responsibilities. So let's look at our text Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. It says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Now, what does it mean to devote ourselves to prayer? Well, the word in the Greek that we derive devote from means to be steadfastly attentive to, to continue all the time, to persevere. So, what Paul was actually telling the Colossians in regard to prayer was be on the alert so you can pray. And then when you pray, continue praying all the time. Persevere in prayer and don't give up praying. Pray, pray, pray. And then pray some more. So, I think we understand the importance of prayer. But I want us to understand this, that Prayer is our primary weapon of kingdom warfare. Now, I want you to stay with me on this. The Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians, I think we're all pretty much aware and familiar with the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word. Now, despite the fact that you have a sword, each of these items are basically for your defense. Think about it. If you don't have something in your hand, how can you defend yourself? You you have to have that weapon in order to defend yourself. And the shield is there to protect you as well. But prayer is the offensive weapon in our arsenal, and it goes beyond us and engages in the spirit realm. We can't affect the spirit realm in ourselves unless we pray. And I think that's what Paul was referring to whenever he told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 10, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. How in the world can we do anything about that? In our own power, we can't change a person's mind. We can't influence anyone else apart from whatever God does and the Holy Spirit does through us. And that's the stuff that God does through prayer. And Paul also told the Colossians to devote themselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Well, being alert is just about paying attention, right? What's the big deal about driving whenever you've got a cell phone in your hand and you're looking at that while you're going down the street or going down the highway at 70 miles an hour? What's the problem with that? You're not alert to what's going on around outside of the car, right? That's why we want to outlaw texting and driving. And if you've ever been involved in an accident like that, you know that whatever happened was because that person was just not paying attention. And Jesus said in John chapter 5 that He did nothing on His own. You remember? He said He only did what He saw the Father doing. And in order for us to engage in this, this kingdom, we have to pay attention to what the Father's doing too. Being alert to what God is doing helps the effectiveness of our prayers. I mean, it's just a matter of looking, watching, seeing what God is doing. And thankfulness keeps our hearts pliable and open to receive what God is doing. And while watching and praying, we give thanks for what we see God doing. They they just all go together and they work together to make our prayers more effective. We engage in kingdom life when we pray with expectation for God to move. When you pray, do you expect God to answer your prayers? I mean, that's a foundational question, but how many times have we just prayed, Lord, heal this person? Do you actually believe that God's going to heal them because of the prayer that you pray? Do you actually believe that that God's going to open the eyes of those who have been deceived by the devil? whenever you pray that that God might reveal truth? I mean, we expect God to show up when we pray. And that's the whole point of it. We pray with an expectation that God is going to move when He hears our prayers. And remember the words of Jesus from the Gospel of John. He said, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in Me will do the same works I have done, And even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask anything in my name and I will do it. So that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. When was the last time you prayed a prayer like that? Lord, show up. And that's what Jesus is saying. Ask and keep on asking and expect God to show up. And He will. Okay, let's look at, at verse, verse 3. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about this His mysterious plan concerning Christ. That's why I'm here in chains. Pray that I proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Now, keep in mind here that Paul's writing this from a prison. And I don't know if you've been to, to any of the prisons that are around here in, in Texas or here in the United States, but compared to the prisons in the first century, it, it's kind of like, like living in a hotel. I mean, there's bars on the windows, yeah, sure. And there's, there, they're behind bars. But we're talking about being in a cave We're in a dark place, a damp place. I mean, there there were people who died while they were incarcerated because of the conditions that they lived in. They didn't feed them every day. Family members had to bring them food in order for them to, to survive. And it was in this kind of atmosphere, Paul lived with expectation for God to use him and to move on his behalf. And he knew he was in chains because he dared to preach the gospel. And there's something to think about here because when we, when we proclaim the gospel message, that message that Jesus is Lord, that's like declaring war in, in Caesar's day. If anyone else stood up and said that, that Jesus is Lord or that anyone, any other ruler is Lord, they were an enemy of the state. Yeah. And therefore, when Paul professed that Jesus was Lord, that he, whenever he preached the gospel, it made him an enemy of the Roman Empire. But prison, darkness, and opposition can't stop the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is continually advancing against the kingdom of darkness and in this world. Now like other methods of conventional warfare, to advance in enemy territory, if you've ever been in combat, you know, it's necessary to have adequate covering in order to advance. Therefore, sharing the gospel must be reinforced appropriately, covered and supported by the prayers and and intercession of God's people that's a rule of engagement. And it's also important to remember and to pray and intercede for those who hear the gospel so they can understand it and for those who who share the gospel that they might be able to share it effectively. We engage in God's in, in the kingdom life by praying for our church and its leadership. And when we talk about the church, we're not talking about this building. Yeah. We're talking about the people in this building. That we pray for our church and we pray for our leadership. And then I know that's, that's kind of self-serving for me to say to pray for me as your pastor. But, but we need to be praying for each other. That's the whole point. We need to be praying for each other. Whenever somebody comes to mind, you can just say a quick little prayer. God, be with them today. God, bless them. God used them. And that's the kind of thing that Paul was was talking to the Colossians about. Our churches are outposts of the kingdom of God. And they serve to encourage those who are engaging with an increasingly hostile culture. Think about it. As As our culture becomes more and more secularized, whenever we have to engage with that, it can take its toll on us, and we need to be available to each other to encourage each other. You know, when you come together and you've had a hard week, to have someone there to put a hand on the shoulder or give a give a you know, hug your neck or you know just just tell you, look, I, I've been praying for you this week, and I, I and I, I'm I'm praying for your job situation. I'm praying for your for your financial situation, and I'm I'm praying that God will show up and intervene in your life. That's the kind of stuff that we, we do for each other as the body of Christ. And I think that's what the Apostle James had in mind when he wrote this in James chapter 5. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly for no rain to fall, None fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. Now, you may ask, well, how can my prayers be effective like Elijah's? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't recall ever praying that it wouldn't rain and it stopped, let alone last for th- three years of, t- to make a drought. How can my prayers be more effective? Well, it, it kind of goes along with a, something that I saw on a, on a T-shirt years ago whenever I, I was playing basketball. And it, and it said something like this. In basketball, shoot until you're off. And when you're off, keep shooting until you get back on. In other words, just keep shooting. You miss 100% of the shots that you never take, right? So let's apply that to to the kingdom life. We pray and continue praying, and we believe that God is going to intervene, and we continue to pray, and we continue to believe. And we don't give up. That's, That's the whole point, and that's what Paul is encouraging the Colossians. We do that by praying continually and not giving up and trusting that God hears us whenever we pray. Okay, finally in in Colossians verse 5, Paul says, "...live wisely among those who are not believers, and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone." Now, Paul's admonition here to to live wisely among those who are not believers is really an appeal to show practical Christian wisdom when interacting with a secular society. And the term that he uses to make the most of every opportunity literally means to invest in, to recognize favorable circumstances that allow for meaningful interactions. Now, for many years, we've used these favorable circumstances. We've called those divine appointments. You ever had one of those? In his book, Power Evangelism, John Wimber defined these moments as an appointed time in which God reveals Himself to an individual or group, usually through spiritual gifts and other supernatural phenomena or means, But God arranges these encounters. They are meetings He has ordained to demonstrate His kingdom. Things like chance meetings in public places or coincidences that really aren't are all opportunities for God to reveal Himself to those who don't believe just yet. And that's why it's necessary for us to pay attention to what we say and how we act when we're just living life. We don't know who's, a pay, who's paying attention. Right? We really don't. We find out sometimes, and it might be a little embarrassing when we do. I had someone tell me, and this has been a few years ago. Actually, it, it, I heard about it, and it was kind of through the grapevine. I wanted to teach this class. And and I heard through the grapevine, well, this person doesn't want to come because of what you put out on on Facebook. I had to go back and start thinking about how how my interactions on social media affected people that I didn't even know were being affected. And there there's other things that we do, we don't really think about it because oh well, this is my friends, and you know, and and I mean my friends know me. We have to remind ourselves that, that we're, we're representatives of Jesus Christ. And people look at us And in, in, in those times that, well, I thought you were a Christian. I, I, I've, I've had those, and, I, and it's embarrassing. And Paul is telling the, the Colossians, you don't want to get caught in that position. Pay attention to how you live when you're out among those in the world. Let our speech be full of grace and attractive. Literally meaning seasoned with salt, tasty. You know what it's like when the salt's just right? Too much salt? Oh, it tastes bad. Not enough salt? Oh, that's not real good. Seasoned just right? Oh, that's awesome. You know? Ever had a cup of a gumbo that didn't have enough enough salt? Oh, that's oh, that's bad. That's bad. Oh, it was real bad. Too much salt? Oh, that's awful. I had a really good bowl of gumbo last night at, at the Easons. But anyway, it's why it's on my mind. We engage in kingdom life through intentional living, and that means really in everything that we do, wherever we are, what we're doing, whether we're on the job or at home or. On vacation? You know, I'm on vacation. I can do anything I want to. Yeah. Of course, what stays in Vegas? Stays in Vegas or happens in Vegas, whatever. But anyway, I've never been to Vegas yet, so I, I, I can't say that. So what do I mean? Yeah, yeah. I got, nearly got in trouble. Living with purpose and asking God every day, do you do this? Lord, how can you use me today? Somebody asked me that or, or told me about that just recently and I, and I started thinking about it. What do I do the first thing when I get up in the morning? What's well, the first thing I, I've been doing? My phone. Start seeing who sent me stuff and, you know, and I start looking at that stuff. Next thing you know, oh, they, they sent this article and start reading this article. And, it's, it, it, you, know, and you just get, get your mind going in the wrong direction from the very start. And so what I've tried to do for the last couple of weeks, whenever I turn around and I put both feet on the floor, Lord, how can you use me today? How do you how how do you want me to to function? How what do you want me to do? How do you, how do you want to use me today? And it, it really doesn't matter what your vocation is. Yeah. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be you know someone who says that they've been called to ministry or whatever. And it doesn't matter whether you're an an introvert or an extrovert, male or female, liberal or conservative, whether you're educated or you didn't even make it past the third grade, God will use anybody who make themselves available to Him and just say, Lord, how do you want to use me today? It's kind of like what Woody Allen said years ago. 80% of life is just showing up. Right? Right? Well, Jesus described what intentional living looks like in the parable of the the sheep and the goats. And I'm going to close with this. Matthew chapter 25. But when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit upon His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in His presence and He will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep at his right hand, and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I'll tell you the truth, when you did it to, to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. And then the king will turn to those on his left and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And then they will reply, Lord, when did we we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger, naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you're refusing to help me. And they will go away to eternal punishment but the righteous will go away to eternal life. Everyday interactions have eternal implications. Don't ever forget that. Everyday interactions have eternal implications. We need to be on the lookout for what God is doing in our little corner of the world. Can we stand together this morning?